Welcome to the podcast. This is the Dance PT podcast, hosted by moi, Jenna Cantor, performer, hachikapow, and physical therapist. In our interviews, we will dive into all the things that can regularly help you. That's right. As a dance physical therapist with your patients. That's right. Please note that the purpose of this podcast is entertainment and is not here to replace any medical advice. That being said, we are all here to support each other, which leaves me at the most important message I want to leave you with. You are enough and never change yourself for anyone. That's right. You heard me. Be you, and that will enable you to help others the best way possible. Let's end with more scatting. That's right. Jenna out. Hello, dance physical therapist group. I am so sorry for the slight delay. We are four minutes late. Uh, technically, it was a half hour early and then discovered massive technical difficulties. That was fun. But we made it. You're seeing that this is published by Jenna Kavanaugh. That's my married name. I do prefer to be called Jenna Cantor. I'll fix and figure out other things to get rid of the Kavanaugh thing and go back to Cantor. That being said, I want to really welcome Dr. Don Johnson for coming on. Don, thank you so much for coming on. Great, thank you. No, this is wonderful invitation. So excited. Oh God. It's, I, I am too. So we met at CSM this mm-hmm. year uh, at that yeah. high altitude where everyone was losing their voice. And she bonded at the Dance Physical Therapist Meetup, and she just started talking about vestibular physical therapy in relation to dancers. And I, with, I was with all the other dancers there, and I just, I said it probably too many times that night, how, how I needed to bring you into this group to interview yeah. on this, because it's, su- it's such a different perspective that mm-hmm. I hadn't even considered. Now, I'm actually going to jump forward in a weird order, but I'm going to start off with the first question. You were at the table that was, that, you know, everyone was going, well, every time you answer the exact same question. So one of the people asked, you know, regarding turning, a lot of dancers go like this, to try mm-hmm. and like get back their stability or whatever and stop being busy. Is there some truth to that or is that kind of a fake thing that's in our heads? Oh, and we we paused. The connection just paused. Maybe it's because you're at a coffee shop. While it's on pause, I might need to refresh, but I'm going to give it a second for her in case she comes back. So I'm going to explain to those who are on right now um, a little bit about Don Johnson. We know each other through uh, business course. Oh, yeah, she got lost, but she might just bump back on. Um, we are in a business course, um, very common, and... Um, there we go. I was like literally making up things to say, and now she's back on. And three, two, one. Um, okay. Where you are at? Oh no, you. Oh, there you go. Um, it probably that, but we'll see. I'll troubleshoot, or maybe in and out a little bit. Um, back to that. Yeah. Question. I was trying to be a information in between friends. <laughs> no, that works. All right, go for it. So, um, the regarding the dizziness, does this actually work? 
Right. So it's something I've never considered either. I've never worked with dancers. I've had plenty of friends and PT classmates and PTs that are dancers. Um, huge uh, portion of PTs are. Um, and I'd never been aware of that. And they asked at the table and, and just thinking through basic uh, fundamentals of neurology and anatomy and neurophysiology, how everything works together in a vestibular system. Uh, what may end up happening when you do any form of this or this, they showed a couple different variations, is you are providing kind of self-proprioception to your face. And so you have contact with your face with your hand to your skin. We know from the homunculus that there is a bigger portion, especially more to the mouth and the lips, but the face is still kind of included in that. So it's a bigger portion of the brain and that cortex that is, that is, is delineated to that. And so that receives internal feedback to your brain that yes, you are not moving, you are still. So it's kind of what we call in the vestibular rehab world a grounding technique more than likely. Mm -hmm. So you're providing proprioceptive feedback from your own hand to your face, increased input to the brain to demonstrate that you are not moving anymore and that you are still. It helps the brain and the cerebellum clamp down on some of those processes that, that happen in the vestibular system. And in a sense, helps your symptoms calm down. Yeah, I love and that. So, yeah. And yeah. so in grounding and vestibular rehab, we have patients lean against their chairs at the back or put their hands on a table or on the armrest or lean against a wall with the back of their head or their hands. So same thing, they're getting secure, stable feedback from a wall, so to speak, or something. And it is giving additional proprioceptive feedback to the brain that you are not moving anymore. Yeah. And regarding, just because we're talking about, because vestibular turning, that kind of thing, finding yourself. Yeah still on that same account for the idea of turning, what would you say for a dancer? Say we have a professional dancer that, that we're working with. She's been turning for a long time, but she's also aging. Over time, because she's been continuously doing that, could the vestibular system get messed up just as easily as somebody who is not turning all the time? So can go right. Well, I'm experiencing it. I'm just going, we know how it goes downhill. <laughs> right. So there is um, some interesting research that I'll talk about in a minute as well. But um, on a general scale, if you, as you're aging in your lifetime, and maybe you have not been practicing or dancing as frequently or as often or in as high volume as you did when you were doing it, high school, college, higher volume, more consistently, your vestibular system neurologically could down-regulate a little bit. You are going to be a little more sensitive to those things. You may have more symptoms a little bit sooner, a little bit longer lasting after you practice or perform. So I would expect as you age, you have a patient coming in that is a dancer, has been having more symptoms or problems that they just may need, they could get back to more practice and more volume. And over time, reps and reps and reps with neuroplasticity, they should be able to attain an improved tolerance of that again. Uh, but it could take time and it could be specific vestibular exercises, depending on how low level they are, um, or just getting them going back to dancing again. So if they have decreased their dancing volume, they may be more sensitive, and I would expect that. Yeah. And so the same thing applies as we get older. So even people non-dancing. So you try to do cartwheels with your kids or somersaults with your kids, and you get up and you're just like feeling it and vertigo, but your kids are just fine and let's keep going. Yeah, and you're like, same thing. Hold right, on. So if you were to continue to do those every day, every week, you should find that you are less symptomatic to those cartwheels and those somersaults with the same type of neuroplasticity, named decreased sensitivity of the system. But if you are, so, so that being said, if you are, you never stop doing the turns, sure. you're not right. you're a little less likely to have that decline. 
And he shouldn't. Um, but we do know that vestibular and neurological systems do degrade with time and age. So there could be a slight change and you should, I would expect that to some extent in small amounts that you can't quite go as many pirouettes or turns as you once did in a row or different moves, different choreographies that bother you just touch more. Um, if you were to very specifically isolate vestibular rehab systems, you may be able to counter that, but you would expect some age-related degeneration. But again, even at any age in vestibular rehab, we know we can train patients with other conditions in vestibular systems. So I would assume you could apply that to dancers if they've been continuing to dance and feeling a little bit of a change. If you isolate those systems, you may have some success. And I don't know that there's research on that. So that's probably a void in the literature world on that, on that piece particularly. Oh, there's so many voids. <laughs> oh, I know, right? <laughs> the voids are unlimited. <laughs> but opportunity, opportunity. That's what I was looking for. It's opportunity to learn more. Yes. Um, so for working with dancers and say there is some sort of vestibular thing wrong, um, I'm going to speak from like, because I haven't, I, I haven't done vestibular PT for a while since my yeah. and. Because it hasn't come up, hasn't mm -hmm. come up with my my performers, but I, but you know I I first just go to you know the pencil in hand. I'm using my phone as a pencil right now. You know yeah. going side to side. You know or mm -hmm. the opposite. This moving. You know the the um, different tools were seated um, as a beginning base. So my question for you is, how would you handle this in conversation when working with a dancer who needs to get moving? on the patients they need just to get that system to just sit there and go like this after a few days they're going to be going nuts and be like why am i not better uh, because <laughs> right. they need to be back on that stage so how how would that be handled uh yeah that's a great question especially if you're someone uh, have a patient who's actively dancing or performing um you know, they're just like another athlete with concussions or things like that. They're very apt to get back and want it to happen now. Your vestibular system, when we do vestibular rehab for peripheral conditions where we might do that VOR exercise, a stable object in front and head turns, um, the neuroplasticity to improve and, and why that works is thousands of reps. And so you have to put the reps in and you can do that in increased volume and increased time during the day and get a quicker response and quicker improvement. But it is based on how many reps you do and your tolerance of those reps. So yeah, talking with those those athletes, those dancers, and letting them know it will come with time. But yeah, reinforcing the patients that as soon as they master certain things, you can advance and go to the next one. And you're advancing your system and decreasing your symptoms all the while. But it will take time regardless. And it, even for patients that are not dancers, as a regular conversation we have with all patients is time. It is so much longer than they would ever want and expect. I will say with definitely younger patients with peripheral conditions in their inner ear, um, not central brain brainstem conditions, there is commonly sometimes a quick turning point, like a light switch. They get four or five weeks in and they're 90% better within that week all of a sudden. Um, with our younger patients, I would say patients under 40 that we tend to see a nice quick turnaround at some point. Um, not with all of them, but a good, a good percentage of them at times. And they do tend to heal quicker. The older you are with those inner ear conditions, the longer it takes. So depending on the age of your patient and your dancer, those can be generalities you can keep in mind, but definitely letting them yeah, just reinforcing the time. It's all about reps and repetitions. The VOR, what we're doing is when you have an inner ear condition that decreases function of one inner ear, right? You're it, thinking now, like, oh, I gotta do it now. I gotta do it now. I might as well do it. 
we're teaching the brain and the cerebellum to compensate for that change in one side. You have another side that is good and some function on the residual side as well. It takes thousands of reps for that brain to learn to compensate for that peripheral loss. That loss on one side may never come back. And I talked that to the patient. It doesn't matter if it does or doesn't. We can teach the brain to do it, but the brain needs tons of time to reform and, and make different connections, so to speak, and make that central compensation for that peripheral loss. Yeah. So yeah. tons of time. So it's like, it's truly practice, 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 mm -hmm. practice, practice. Yep. And two, dancers is a great, probably a great patient population because they'll be very driven and apt. They will probably advance quicker through those progressions. You know, we start seated, simple, head turn side to side. You can go to standing and walking. You can do it with motions. You can, you can, you can be super creative with that. You could involve right, add ballet things in it or whatever. If it's Indian dance, you know, like add that in it. So it's, and even you can, you know, to an extent for safety, you could still give them a little freedom to be creative with what gives them symptoms with that exercise in another position or movement and let them be creative at home. Give them a little buy-in, a little bit of enjoyment in, in creating their own thing um, and advancing themselves at home as they tolerate yeah. And because for dancers, it's, they're going to be advancing to a very high level. I mean, very yeah. high level, that okay. yeah. you know, with quick spots, you mm -hmm. know, doing, right. you know, three, maybe four turns, you know, uh, depending on how much of a turn or if they're doing continuous turns over and over right. again. Um, so for working with them, how, how do you safely progress them? Because you can't be there. Right. Uh, I, I mean, I feel like it's obvious, but I, I want to still ask. Good question. So, you know, what we do in the vestibular world that would still apply to the dancers as well is a lot of times we're meeting once a week, um, maybe twice a week, depending on how much they're advancing or how much they need. We're going to evaluate those uh, those exercises in the clinic. Or you could do it modified. I've seen different telehealth progress with vestibular rehab, you have a spotter at home with the patient in the room and either on telehealth or in person in the clinic, you're going to see where they're at balance wise. Um, you can let them know where they're at. You give them that for the week. You can give them one additional step up if they're close to it in the clinic. Um, a lot of my patients are low level. We set them up actually in front of the kitchen sink with their hands kind of on the wall of the sink. It's a nice, safe, firm handhold. Dancers could do it in their in their dance studios. You've got those bars that they could hover with their hands lightly or just hover and they could advance gently depending on their loss of balance and things like that. So yeah, that is definitely a concern. You don't want them twisting an ankle or having some other injury just for the sake of, a, of an exercise PT wise for vestibular. So, but definitely watching them in clinic, seeing what their balance is like and their symptoms, giving them something that is a good challenge though. So we can't step back and make it too easy, but looking to see where they're at, give them that to take home, give them maybe one other progression, whether you change the foot stance instead of feet apart, you let them do it at feet together. If they get better at home, that can be pretty low level to start those types of things. If you're doing dance moves, again, just watch it in the clinic, see how they do. Give them a modification if you need to break that that dance move up. Give them some stable handhold, things like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then how about for them, they also deal with uh, decreased vision when they dance often because stage lighting. So um, and sometimes they'll be dancing in dim lighting the whole time mm -hmm. or, some, or even just like fading to blackout. They could be that person doing turns as it's fading to blackout. So it, these are real things that they deal with. So um, how, um, how about that incorporating the vision? Obviously I, I would assume separate and then put, start combining. And so right. I don't know. 
right? Normal huge part of vestibular rehab is you have to take vision out of the exercises once patients can tolerate it. We have three main sensory systems that contribute to your balance output. And by that's your visual input, your somatosensory, which is your proprioceptive input from your legs and your feet, and then your inner ear. And in order for us to force the brain to compensate for an inner ear problem, we have to take vision out of it. Vision is this quick, easy cheat for the brain to get a depth perception, tell where you are in space. So in normal vestibular progressions, we take vision out of it, meaning we have patients stand feet apart, feet together, eyes closed. Can they do that to start with? Can they stand eyes closed and then do slow head turns or just a change of head position? Can they then do short, quick head turns, eyes closed, keep their balance, hands hovering on a stable surface? Then you can progress that. We do, um, can they walk eyes closed with someone spotting? Can they do quarter turns, half turns, quick or slow with eyes closed? So even overlaying that into a dancer is her, you know, practicing what she needs with low light or no light in the same setup if she could do that in the dance studio or just on her own eyes closed someone spotting doing it slow at first and then progressing back up but yeah for them to return to full dance in performance and tolerate all those things that is pretty high level and that really does isolate the vestibular system on one hand that will benefit them they will do an ex excellent job with having to deal with all that in compensating for that loss of function on one side. But in return, it's probably a high threshold for them to return 100% to be able to do all that at some point. Um, and that could be weeks to months, depending on the condition and the severity of what occurred to them. Yeah, I, I have a question here. Hello, please. Um, when you guys ask questions, just because this platform, which I do need to cancel because it's terrible, um, be live, don't use it. Um, uh, it. I can't see who is asking the question, but they're asking, do either or both of you have dance backgrounds? Um, first, I do. I, I, I grew up as a ballerina and um, that is the air I breathe. Uh, got many injuries and then had a whole career in musical theater professionally and then became a physical therapist. And then for... Um, I do not. So um, I have done athletics and basketball, water polo, but I have no dance background. Um, yeah. I have, yeah, so. yeah, great question. So with that, if you have specific questions you think that we, you'd like us to cater to dance-wise, feel free to ask because I'm just literally throwing out my stuff that I yeah. I haven't toyed with vestibular treatment and I stole one of the <laughs> I stole a question from what the, what somebody else asked <laughs> so great. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, right. I mean, if you're if you're seeing a patient with the vestibular needs and you're the dance physical therapist, depending on the complexity of what has occurred with that patient, uh, you can definitely attempt to treat it on your own. If they need a vestibular therapist, it would probably be very important to be constantly in communication with that vestibular therapist as the dance PT to make the connections that we won't necessarily know. Um, and obviously, we can communicate with the patient and try to get that as well. But it might be a great avenue for you to step in and be a liaison between the patient and the vestibular PT if you're sending him to a specialized clinic or a specialized therapist. Yeah. Oh, the person said same dancer and DPT. Yay! I love that. No, I and honestly, I'm so grateful you coming into this group, especially because you don't have the dance background because your vestibular knowledge is so fierce. Oh my yeah. God. All right. So while I'm a slightly out of question, not out, out, I'm really curious because you were saying you mentioned you have some research and stuff that you wanted to share. I'm like, yeah, very interesting research. So and then more needs to be done, obviously. And, and this particular research led to other great questions as well. Um, but it came out and published in 2013. It showed up in the Cerebral Cortex Journal in 2015. Um, and the name, I'm probably going to butcher it, Nigmut. To 
Mutalina um, et al. And they evaluated 29 dancers um, against 20 controls. Um, the controls were rowers. Um, the dancers were high-level ballerinas, uh, very elite. Uh, they chose them very specifically that they all had started dancing at six um, and so that just to give that same volume of practice and time with their neurological function. And they put them in a chair and they did persistent spins while they sat in a chair. In the front, the patients had a turn wheel for them to manually move and they were supposed to mimic when they finished turning and it's the chair stopped, they were supposed to then turn that wheel in and try to tell the researchers how fast they felt they were still spinning and for how long. And so it was their subjective input to what they were feeling after the chair stopped moving. So they did 29 dancers, 29 non-dancers, rowers, and they evaluated their response to different amounts of spin and motion. The dancers very quickly had much less symptoms for much less period of time, if at all. And the rowers was more typical to any of us non-dancers put through something like that would be fairly torturous. And they did also imaging studies. So what they found was in the cerebellum, there was dramatically clinically significant less gray matter in the cerebellum with the dancers compared to the controls. Gray matter is our nucleus, our functioning part of the brain that processes all of that information. Um, and it was actually less of that in the dancers. What we think of a lot of times, there's other studies you think about neuroanatomy and P PT, and again, going back to the homunculus, you know, there's different studies with monkeys and things and um, patients that do a lot with an arm or so to speak, you see an increase in that homunculus in response to that. What we see in the vestibular system is interestingly opposite, is that there's less. Um, and the thought behind that in the research was, is that the brain becomes more efficient in processing those symptoms and kind of downregulates signals coming from the vestibular system. And the trainers have been, the dancers, excuse me, have been training for years and years and years. And so that neurological change is directly related to their training. It also showed a change in the white matter cortically as well in this in this cerebrum. So again, multiple changes in the brain, the processing and the tracks because of the constant spinning specific to the vestibular system. So they what they do want to study further is if certain dancers have a better aptitude to become higher level if they have subtle differences in their brain function or structure at birth compared to others, if there's a certain reason why certain dancers tend to make those levels, so to speak. That's one of the questions they raised. Um, but very interesting that the microstructure of the brain did change dramatically with dancers compared to controls. So very yeah. interesting study, so. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense with my dance background, I'm just thinking of sure. you know, when I would just turn, you know, that was just such a norm. Sure. Um, so you, it, it is essentially like training yourself to recover. Yes, and like because of that, over and over and over. Cover yeah. back. Um, if you do get dizzy or if you lose your spot, God forbid, you know, just to be like, uh, okay, we, we're okay, we're okay. Right, yeah. right. Um, so the brain over time will change its form and function because of so many reps, which is so impressive to see. It's very a remarkable study neurologically just to see yeah. that huge wow. dramatical change in gray matter, um, noticeable oh enough, markedly different. So how about for a dancer when a dancer is getting exhausted? So even though they've done this training, but they're at that point at the tip of their endurance and what they can handle at, at, at a long in a long ballet. I remember I was in this one dance piece that was, I think it was like 10 to 13 minutes long. And the second lead, there were two leads I shared it, but there was, there was more of a lead than me. Um, we were on the stage the whole time together. And I remember requesting to leave the stage to just have even a little break, she gave me 16 counts. To leave this stage 
And and so she did. She gave me 16 counts. I, I, at the end of the day, I was I was like, I'll take it. And I came back. But then shortly after, we did the sweat tape, which is continuous turning for those who don't know ballet yet but are interested in ballet. Um, she's coming from the knee. You're extending. Well, say with the knees coming from the knee and you're extending and whooping around. I can't, I can't do it. Okay. But with but we were exhausted, exhausted. So how does that affect the, I remember I got, I was able to do it. I trained to get myself to be able to do it, but still at the end. And I, I always wonder if I had more rehearsal time at the end, I always would get a lot often would have to do like a kind of double hop for one of them, uh, which is not what you want. You're supposed to be, you're right. coming down and your heel once to lift back up and turn again only once. Is that, how much of that attributes to the vestibular system versus exhaustion, do you think? Well, just quick question for that double hop. Did you have to do that to regain balance or was it because of vertigo symptoms that you were feeling following those moves? I don't think there were any vertigo symptoms. Okay. Just to regain your balance a little bit. It was, ooh, I'm trying to think. Yeah. A lot of times it's because I haven't whipped around far enough okay. to turn forward enough to do the whip again properly from the starting point that it needs to. Okay. Right. Wow. So, so, so yeah, so muscular fatigue and that muscular output, um, it can still fall short if you're fatigued, even though your vestibular input is telling your brain and you're planning a motor wise what you want to do and accomplish. So yeah, if you've been doing a long stint and you're at the end of your particular endurance, then yeah, finishing those moves enough, the timing, the inertia, the momentum to come make that full complete 360 end up where you need to be uh, definitely would be related to that. Vestibular wise, um, you know, we do see physical fatigue, mental fatigue, uh, other visual stimulations can fatigue patients with vestibular conditions. So I would think similarly with ballerinas, especially if they have an impairment, uh, fatigue will be a big component for them even as they're recovering and still performing. So uh, fatigue from practice, uh, modified performance, those, their symptoms will increase. They may have a harder time finishing turning, uh, tolerating things, even if they were tolerating it in the morning when they were fresh and we've gone even in the afternoon and they don't start practice till the afternoon, they may find their symptoms are all of a sudden different or return, so to speak. And that fatigue neurologically can definitely play out. Um, muscular function too, yeah, that would be similar endurance. Um, muscular output would definitely be impaired. And vestibular on that component with a normal individual, like in your case, um, it was probably all intact, but it's probably just that motor output that was just not able to complete that coordination wise. Yeah, thank you. Just good to differentiate it and going, could, would vestibular be something to address? But you're right, there were no, there wasn't a Disney dizziness. Right, so yeah, just probably a balance and motor, just motor function. Yeah, mm -hmm. and and really at the end of the day, it just you, it's just asking our patients, are you are you dizzy at some point? Right, and that would be the telling point if it's a vestibular thing versus right. Okay, and different planes. So different patients with different conditions have different planes of motion that bother them. Um, and even in the same diagnosis, we call you know a vestibular neuritis, so to speak, or just acute loss of one inner ear. Some of them can do a particular plane very well and have almost no symptoms. And another plane of motion, diagonal, forward back backward, horizontal can be a completely different story. So definitely evaluating your patient in all motions and being very specific to grab from them subjectively what bothers you, what provokes your symptoms, what moves, what daily moves at home, what daily moves in dancing, everything. And then addressing and attacking those things that bother them.
Yeah, this is also good for, especially if the symptoms are arriving, uh, rising. Now I'm curious in regarding to prevention or even training for a dancer who's training at the beginning, what, would that be applicable to tr add in vestibular stuff to the training? To like, early dancers? Just starting learning how to do something simple like chenet turns, which is another continuous turn. It's kind of a beginner point, but where they're just stepping from one foot turns to the next turn. Step the other you mean turn. for healthy dancers, no weather impairments, things like that? Yeah, healthy dancers to help them maybe even up their game technically. That's a really good question. Um, you know, the one thing in particular, like the spotting. So the spotting is playing on your vestibular ocular reflex, your VOR. And yeah. so what that does is it, it's, it actually plays off a couple of things. But our VOR is, again, a stationary object in head motion. So every time your head turns for every one degree, one direction, your eyes turn one degree the opposite direction. That's the VOR. It's a gaze stability reflex so it helps you keep your eyes on an object while your head and body is moving so right, right and that's a great research question actually i don't um that may help increase and supplement normal dance training if you implement that probably in more dynamic setups so if they can do a vor and an object on the wall as they walk or run back and forth or do some other dance type move or or, or drill so to speak something like that that may uh, you may help increase that that training sooner. Again, it's all about the reps with neurologically. The more reps you put in, the sooner, the quicker that brain's going to learn, change, advance, and desensitize. So that actually may. What a great question to start with young dancers at certain ages and follow that cohort possibly and supplement with very specific vestibular rehab exercise. See if it supplements training and actually improves performance. We definitely could. Um, oh my God. Somebody who's comment. listening, do it. Do this and study. But the work that spotting does as well is, it, you know, just like if you put your head on the bat, you've seen those YouTube videos, people put their head on the bat to tend down and spin or the merry go round. Yeah. And the same thing, if you were to spin without spotting in a normal individual, you would have massive symptoms. What happens is, is that endolymph inside the semicircular canals of your inner ear are moving and it continues to move. So it's the momentum and inertia that's triggering hair cell motion and signals to the brain that causes that. So when you're spotting and you keep your head in one position as your body turns, you're minimizing and stopping any motion of the fluid in that canal. And so every time you turn just real quick and stop for a few seconds, you're letting the inertia of that fluid stop. And so you're letting it settle. And so so there's a reason spotting, you know, fundamentally is so important to practice and to do well to help minimize those symptoms. But again, we see with that research I, I, I pulled is that it goes even further than that. The spotting is a component of helping you perform that. But again, with years and years of training, your brain will actually uh, custom, customize itself to the activity to make yeah. you better. So I love it. It was so great to have you on for anybody who's coming on later and, and you're catching this right replay down below. Also, feel free to ask any questions below uh, and tag Ron Johnson so that mm -hmm. way she can get tagged and know to respond to whatever questions you may have and help you out. Don, do you have any other last bits of things that you might want to add just that have been thoughts that you've been thinking, oh, I think I want to mention this before we sign off. Right. Maybe just something just in general to vestibular and vestibular patients. You know, if you end up with a dancer um, at even a young age that has something going on, it's creating vertigo symptoms, know that they really need to be assessed and evaluated properly. There can be multiple conditions at play. At a young age, we can have vestibular migraines. It could be a vestibular neuritis, which is the same activation as Bell's palsy. 
could be a young occurrence of BPPV. There could be multiple things in that peripheral inner ear causing that. So know that if it's a pretty moderate condition or a pretty considerable event, know that you may really need to refer them on to a specialist. But again, I would heavily encourage you to keep in contact with wherever they go. Again, I think it's really imperative that your understanding as a dance PT is something that, yeah, I would have no thought, no concept about. So being engaged with that other PT in their recovery and their rehab would be very important. So, um, but no, yeah, just know that vestibular rehab is, um, there's a lot of, you know, subtle complexities and things like that. And finding a good vestibular therapist in your area can be very beneficial in helping them recover sooner and quicker and properly. Yeah. So, but I no, I think tons of research can be done with dancers and PTs. And prior to talking to you, I had never really considered that population and the, and, and the connection with the vestibular system um, and just how unique it is and how interesting and, and how much really yeah. can be done on research with that. So yeah, I'd so be curious cool. about dancers fall risk later in life if they really have less risk, if they tend to recover quicker from vestibular conditions at any point than a typical population because of their brain structure change. So there's a lot of great questions and I think a lot of great needs that could be studied. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, where can people find you if they want to find you on on social media? Where are good places to reach out to you or email or website? So uh, you can reach me. I'll, uh, I do have a personal Facebook page, Don Johnson, and I can leave uh, a link for that with you, Jenna, and we can uh, make sure that people have access to that. Uh, they can definitely email me with any questions and I can give my email. Um, I'll give it verbally here and then we can make sure arrange that it's available print wise as well. Um, it's D-O-N. J-O-N-P-T at hotmail.com. So Don John PT at Hotmail. And I would, yeah, I would love to entertain any questions or, or conversations or thoughts. I think it's a very interesting field. Um, and again, I've always, it's so it's such a unique passion with PTs that are dancers themselves and that treat dancers. I've had definitely coworkers and classmates in that realm and in that population. And it's always so interesting and fascinating. You guys are always so passionate about what you do. Um, it's amazing. And the way you give back as a PT to those dancers in that specialty is just wonderful. Yeah, it's exciting. Thank you so much for coming on, Don. You are such a gift to this group. Thank you. Freezing <laughs> it. Yes, you're welcome. Bye, everyone.